0: From Teacher Magazine, I'm Rebecca Vukovic, and you're listening to an episode in our Teaching Methods series. My guest today is Lisa Siraj a teacher at Childside Playgroup and School in Boyanup, Western Australia, about 200 kilometres south of Perth. Childside School is an independent co-educational school covering kindergarten to year 10. The school was founded in 2002 with a focus on relationships, engagement and connectivity. The school's founders and co-principals Karen MacDonald and Leonie O'Connell say they strongly believe that each person's story matters to them and should matter to the students themselves. They help children value their own story and communicate and advocate its worth over and above any reports, grades, scores and other stats and data. Lisa Siraj teaches a multi-age class of 23 students across years 7 to 10. She does this with a co-teacher, who teaches maths and science, and the two teachers are in the class for most of the week. Lisa also teaches these students for the four years they're in this year range. In today's episode, we discuss how she manages the classroom on a daily basis, the range of abilities that she caters for, and how she provides each student with the appropriate level of challenge to progress in their learning. Let's get started. Lisa Siraj, thanks for joining Teacher Magazine. Uh, thank you for having me, Rebecca. It's a
1: great privilege to be on here. To begin, could you tell me a bit about your school and its context? Yes, certainly. Um, our school was founded in 2002 by two uh, very dedicated forward-thinking educators, Karen McDonald and Leonie O'Connell, who wanted to really put forward um a child-focused way of educating. So they were finding they were they were lacking the opportunity to do what they felt was important to do in a classroom, so actually went out there and did it themselves. Our school is small by design, and we have uh, multi-age clusters. So we have three clusters at the moment across the whole of the school, and we have, um, as I said, multi-age uh, classes within that.
0: Yeah, so how did you come to work at Childside School?
1: Well, I myself started there as a student teacher, so I was uh, looking for a placement. I had had uh, plenty of experience working in traditional schooling scenarios, so I wanted to try something a little bit different um, that aligned with my own philosophy about education. So, um, at that point, I was able to do my final prac at, uh, at Childside, and from there, it was a really good fit, so I was lucky enough to find employment there and have been there since 2007.
0: Yeah I'd like to talk now about your class because I understand you teach a multi-age class of students in years 7 to 10. Before we talk about how this all works on a daily basis could you give me a sense of
1: who your students are? Yeah so certainly um Obviously our school, I'm, I'm teaching in the high school area at the moment, so obviously the early childhood, middle childhood feeds into that, so a lot of our children that come into the classroom are actually child-siders already, so they're children that have come up through our own school. So they're very familiar to me and I'm very familiar to them. However, we do also have a range of students that join us, particularly just for high school, so you know we have new intake in, in and across the year levels there. Um, I have a mixture, I think I have about a half and half right now of boys and girls and I have children that travel up to an hour to get to us and some that live practically across the road from us. So uh, some children from farming backgrounds, some just from regular, regular suburban backgrounds, we have quite a mixture really. Yeah and I'm keen to hear how your class operates on a day-to-day
0: basis. How do you manage teaching these students across the different year
1: levels? OK, so I think one thing to, to highlight is whatever year level you work with, whatever year level you're teaching, there's never just one year level there. So I think we can all agree that, you know, even if I was just teaching, say, a year seven class, I would probably be looking at a range of about six different year levels within that. So it's not really a new thing to think about teaching multiple levels within one class I suppose the difference is that that gets expanded out when you're looking at a year t- uh, seven to ten spread. So we we look at um, managing that by first of all we we have what we call a shape of the day, which is traditionally called a timetable, but it's a little bit more flexible than that. So we have we have a flexible structure to our day, and then a structure across the week, and this means that we can um, we can look at activities that will cater for either a whole group so that the, the activities themselves can be scaled or we can split the group at that point into level groups as we need to. Now the interesting thing because we've got that range across the year seven to ten is we don't necessarily have to split a group according to age level. We can split to ability level, we can split, uh, split to interest level, we can split to what emotional needs might be at the time, what physical needs might be at the time. So we have a lot more opportunity to to, um, incorporate what the child is needing at that particular point of need. Yeah, so students don't necessarily work in age-level groups and you've said they have a range
0: of different abilities. I'd like to get a sense of that range to really understand the abilities that you cater for in your classroom. What
1: kinds of things are the low-performing students capable of doing? So because we were able to, to mix across not only my cluster, so I have the year seven and 10 to 10 cluster, we can also um, integrate with other clusters across the school. So one of the great opportunities there for perhaps some of our lower performing students or even students that need to develop skills in other areas, which we place a high value on, is that they can work with different age ranges even within the school. They can actually take on a mentorship role at that point as well. So it's not just about um, you're performing at a lower level, therefore you need to have extra tuition in certain areas. You can frame it so that it becomes a really positive experience for the child. Yeah. Do you have any examples of that, like
0: how you make it a positive experience for the child?
1: Oh, definitely. So uh, working with as a mentor with younger groups to do mathematics. So, for example, a child that needs to consolidate um, some mathematical concepts might work with a younger range of children in order to do that.
0: And in contrast to those students, what are some of the high-performing students in your class capable of doing? How do you keep them engaged?
1: So we currently have students that are... um, highly highly engaged and they are looking at a a medical pathway at the moment so in order to keep them engaged we use things like Coursera where they can do external courses they're actually working at just about a pre-university level there or a year level one for for university so quite quite a high standard there but obviously not all children would want to be working or need to be working at that high level and it could be very off-putting for them so because we're able to cater at points of need and personalise our learning for children, the ones that want to and are able to can do. Yeah so it's clear
0: you're working with such a range of different students with some working more at a primary level and others doing pre-university coursework and therefore establishing a personalised approach is so important as you said but to do that you need to establish the points students have reached in their learning. How do you do that in your classroom,
1: yeah, this is interesting isn't it? because I guess you know what you're asking me there is how do you assess across so many different levels um, there There are many, many different ways to do this, um, and we don't we don't look to just one outcome, so for example, we will look at various forms of assessment along a child's journey so you've got to remember that our children stay in a cluster potentially for for four years so we get to know the child very well therefore we can we can actually look at a child's progression it's not just about recording uh, data sets the other thing we can do is we use um, websites that have online learning elements that are aligned to the curriculum such as mathletics uh, word flyers Read theory, so you can you can get a comparison grading, so that you can see where the children are sitting within the curriculum framework. But again, you can because we have such uh, such in depth knowledge of the child, we can embed assessments just throughout the throughout the day. You know how we have opportunities because we're such a small class to have conversations with children. We have time to sit down and work with them. And we see their progression from, you know, year seven to year 10. We keep video recording so we can look back, compare the, the, uh, the growth that they've made. So we're looking more at personalised progressions than actual uh, year level attainment, shall we say. Yeah, it's so important to have that
0: in-depth knowledge of each child to be able to provide each student with the appropriate
1: level of challenge. Yes, Absolutely. And, you know, we can do that by integrating activities. We, we have um, a very in-depth, integrated approach to our curriculum. And through a lot of post-planning and curriculum auditing, we can make sure that we actually cover content as required through the Australian curriculum. Yes, because, of course, like
0: any teacher, you're required to assess and report against those year-level curriculum expectations, and I'm wondering, in your classroom, particularly a multi-age
1: classroom, how do you ensure that you're covering the curriculum? So as I said before, we do our regular termly curriculum audits. We have uh, Professor, Marie, um, Dr. Marie Martin, who comes down to work with us two days a term, and we actually go through our curriculum and our planning there, just to make sure that we are doing that. Other things we do is to, as I said, integrate various areas, so we don't separate out the curriculum um, into the traditional. Now you're going to go to a science class, now you're going to go to a maths class. We try and do that through integrated projects that are also interesting hands on to the children. So for example, it could be um, through a very embedded kitchen garden project that we have. We have building projects on the go that the children are always um, involved in. And then as I say, post planning through it, we set assessment tasks, we still do NAP plan, we still have all the requirements of another school. So so we're certainly able to make those bases and judgments. And of course, you know, we will set an assessment task just so that we can compare against levels and make sure that we are covering where we need to. Yeah. And Lisa, we've been covering a lot of the more academic side of things,
0: but I'm also wondering more from a social and emotional perspective, How are students supported in the classroom when I guess they're at such different stages
1: of their personal development? Oh, this this is actually where I feel that having a multi-age classroom or having that cluster really comes into its own because it allows you on a very authentic daily basis to be exploring those relationship sides that actually make the learning possible. So we place a great deal of emphasis and value on the general capabilities. And, you know, in fact, the school was established with that in mind to really emphasize the relationships and connections and values between children.
0: And parents and carers can play an important role in this as well. How do you work with parents in your context to support students in their learning?
1: Yeah, so we we try and encourage a a reciprocal relationship with our parents. we, we have an open door policy, so parents are actually encouraged to come into the classroom to work with children. Um, we put a lot of effort into establishing and maintaining our, our community feel within the school. So we'll have up until coronavirus, we've been having um, monthly enterprise afternoons, which families can come in and and it's like a market store, really, with uh, produce and products that the children work to create and sell that's also part of our embedded financial literacy curriculum as well so we try and have a a teamwork approach with the children so you know we keep our parents informed our parents keep us informed so that we can work together to make sure any issues or any concerns are addressed
0: yeah and that's so important that reciprocal relationship lisa i'd like to gauge your thoughts now on multi-age classrooms Some teachers would argue that it's too difficult for a teacher to have students in the same classroom working on different activities tailored to their different levels. But as we've been discussing today, you've been doing this for years, so do you have any practical suggestions on how
1: to do this effectively? Yeah, There's not really a switch that you can flick to make this happen. Personally, I feel that it goes back again to those general capabilities. So you've got to create that culture of collaboration within the classroom to be able to make that happen. So children have to be comfortable to be able to work with anyone in the classroom because you can't just pick and choose who you work with in, in real life. You know, we're looking at developing those real life skills. They have to be comfortable to do that. They have to be comfortable also to ask for help because it might be they, they are the only one working on a particular piece of work at a, t- at a time. It's a lot about embedding work within the framework of your day. And it's a lot to do with developing relationships between the children and children and educators. So I feel that without having those collaboration skills the social and emotional development their self management their social management it becomes a difficult thing to do so that's where the emphasis on the general capabilities really comes in in order to be able to enable those cross-level activities that you really want to be doing with the children that's all for this episode if
0: you liked this podcast and would like to hear more You'll find all our episodes at our website, teachermagazine.com.au. That's where you'll also find all the articles, videos and infographics in our archive. And if you like what we do and would like to support us, please consider subscribing to the podcast channel on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or leave us a review. Thanks for listening.